Hello and a very warm welcome to a new episode here at the Virtual Frontier, the one and only podcast about remote work and the future of work actually produced 100% remotely. It's lovely you have found the way back to the show. If you just joined recently, hit the subscribe button right away so you never miss a new episode. Today's topic of our Q&A session is 5 steps to select the best digital tools. How many different digital tools you are using in your company? How often do you implement new tools to your stack? Do you feel increasingly overwhelmed by the flood of tools in your everyday life? When you want to get more clarity what tools to use and how to select them best, listen up and see what the next CEO Q&A session here at the Virtual Frontier can do for you. See you in just a moment on the other side. Welcome to a new Q&A session here on the Virtual Frontier. Our topic today is uh, the usage and implementation of digital tools in your workspace, in your workflows. Um, why we have come to this uh, topic, a uh, lot of uh, uh, people that work with you, coaches, whatever, are asking you um, constantly what tools are you using, Manuel, to uh, have, uh, be successful in your business and, uh, and get there what you want. Um, But on the other side, um, when I was preparing this uh, um, episode today, I, I could find some statistics that showed um, that productivity overall um, has dropped since the year 2007 constantly, um, according to the Bureau of uh, Labor Statistics. And on the other side, the number of devices that we are using, the number of digital tools um, have increased uh, tremendously or exponentially. And... I think we have a very tool-fixed mindset when we uh, um, think about solutions of, of uh, business cases, whatever. But uh, how can we be more efficiently and increase the productivity and ultimately achieve our business goals with device use of tools? And so that comes to my first question today. Manu, what tools are you using? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good, uh, I mean, it's really shocking. I didn't know that that since 2007 or so that productivity really dropped every year. That's that's crazy. I have to research that. Yeah, but um, back to your question, which tools I use? I really use a lot of tools. I mean, when I look back in 2018, we had over literally over 120 tools. We did We did really like um, a list of all tools that we were using, and I would I don't share that because it was it's not good to have 120 tools. So what we did all the time is we just tried to solve problems with introducing new tools. Whenever we had a problem, we decided, okay, let's see which tools are out there that we could use to solve this problem, and that led to the scenario that we had like 120 tools. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare of complexity. It's a nightmare of cost. And it's a nightmare for people because you have like an overlap of use cases, like you have one use case and five tools. People have no idea which tools to use. But the most important tools, I would say, is um, to manage your work. Now, especially when you want to work remotely and you want to get rid of your office, maybe, you need a virtual office. And 
The office is also just a tool to do your work and to foster constant communication. Now, you need a tool that replaces this. And I'm not saying that you need like video calls to constantly be online because that's just very stressful. And I'm pretty sure that this is one part which leads to a drop of productivity when you introduce new tools that just disturb and interrupt people more than they bring structure and efficiency to their workday. So the most important tool is something to manage your day-to-day -day activities, like, I don't know, Trello, ClickUp, Jira, Asana, any tool that allows you and your team to be on the same page to see which work needs to get done, how to do it, who does it, how much time it takes, and to properly plan the work. I would say this is the number one tool. And then number two thing is to really use it properly. Because when you start to introduce a chat tool, what will happen? People won't use the work management tool anymore. They will communicate their tasks via Slack or Teams or whatever it is. And that's, that's a big mess because then you have no persistency. You have no transparency about progress and results and which work item has which status. But it's so easy, right? It's so easy just to use a chat tool and write something there. Can you do this, that? And But if you have a team, then this is just like the total mess of unstructured communication and it won't give you the data that you need to see if your team is on track or not. So work management is the number one tool, but you have to use it correctly. That's, uh, that's the result. Well, that, that reminds me of what you just mentioned about a couple of years ago, uh, when uh, we worked already with Slack, and uh, but we had a, a, a well, our big team of over 100 people, and uh, we had a paid uh, Slack account, uh, which was costing us, I guess, several thousand of euros per month. Um, and um, <laughs> I, I remember our head of operations was uh, constantly remembering us uh, don't use Slack for documentation because that what uh, what is hap what was happening uh, in this time that everyone was just like putting info uh, into Slack in the communication uh, and the documentation was not done properly because that should be done uh, a different way where everyone has access to it right um, and and then we cut this uh, um, a, a huge uh, cost uh, we, we switched uh, some of our Slack channels and uh, divided it and had a much better result and. I remember, or I can see right now, how, uh, how, how over the last couple of years our documentation uh, side got much, much better because people stopped to use the oh, yeah. uh, Slack tool um, as a place of documentation. Do you remember that? Absolutely, so true. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah. remember that. That was that was painful because you know, um, if you introduce Slack and you always get the behavior that you tolerate. I mean, it's easy to put like documentation, if we can even label it like this, in Slack. Slack is a tool for chatting, right? And But it's so easy to, to write something in an unstructured way, but this fosters the behavior that people use that tool for any kind of purpose. Task management, chatting, which is made for, but also documentation, which it's not made for. Task management is also not made for. So um, these tools can, to le can lead to like a culture of unstructured work habits, which leads to a culture of low performance. Because to get the efficiency you want, you need to do the right things right. Or in other words, people need to do their work properly using the tools correctly to get the result they need to create for the business. But if you introduce a tool and all of a sudden it's okay to, to, to ignore the other tools and just use this one tool because it's so easy, 
you are at risk to really change the culture without the intention to change it, and then your productivity drops. And costs increase. That's what we experienced. <laughs> yeah. How you can uh, validate in the first place the real need of a new tool, let's say? Start from the use case. So either you... So a tool always has just a purpose to make the work you want to do more efficient. But before you introduce a tool, you should know what you want to do, which type of work you want to do. For example, what we do so often and what people confuse all the time, you can introduce Trello or Jira and you name it a project management tool, which it isn't. It's, it's a ticket tracking tool. It's a work management tool. But you have no project management tool there because to project management, what you need is management of time, scope, budget, quality, change, risk. That's all not part of Jira. But people so often confuse that and just use Jira for project management tool and then they don't get a result because you cannot manage the risk there. You cannot manage the budget there. So <clears throat> knowing what you really want and then find a tool that makes this type of work you want to get done more efficient that is i would say the right case instead of finding a tool and doing what the tool tells you to do with the structure it provides and then analyzing okay now we have a good tool we're doing something very efficiently but how does this align with the work we want to get done that's the wrong approach or probably the worst case would be um you just find a new tool while browsing the web and say, oh, how, how I could uh, uh, implement this tool in my company, right? Uh, so, yeah, so because I, it's so nice. Yeah, but it looks so <laughs> nice and it's so fresh and everyone is using it right now, probably, yeah. right? Um, if we have gotten to this clarity and um, how, how you should really like select um, the new tool for, for the company, like um, what, what steps should you proceed uh, while selecting a new tool? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a really complex thing. So, but number one is to really have your use case defined. What exactly do you want to do? Then see if then test a tool. Make a short list of tools that are that you can find on Google for this use case. And then costs are really a big problem because many of these tools they have a very low entry barrier, and then you have hidden costs because look what happens so often when we. Oh, we, we introduced an accounting tool five times, five times. You cannot imagine how much money that costs and how much of a frustration that creates in the team because they have to change the tool all the time. And why that happened is because we were looking for a tool that claims for itself we are an accounting tool. So there are many. Now we found some, we tested them, and it, the decision was, oh, that looks nice. Quick check. Oh, it does everything we need. Introduced it has low costs, and then we worked with it, we worked with it, and then we saw, ah, it doesn't have cost centers, for example, which was what happened. It didn't have cost centers, but we need cost centers. So after working a month with this tool, we decided, sorry, it's not for us, but we already introduced it. So we changed it, find another tool that um, provides cost centers, and now here comes the thing. We had, um, we had, euro and us dollar as currency for outgoing invoices i checked that but they don't have it for incoming bills no multi-currency just for outgoing invoices not for incoming incoming bills we realized that after a month so i had to change the tool again that was like a nightmare 
And then we had another tool that was great. So they had all these features. We started uh, with onboarding. It was like 10 euro per seat, pretty low. And then there was one single feature missing. And then we had to upgrade to enterprise. And then it was 35 per seat, which was way too expensive for 10 people just for doing accounting. And these are the traps you can really avoid when you have a real clear, before you introduce a tool, make a test run for two months. I mean, that's a cost you have to consider that you run this tool in parallel, but it's um, it's a it's a lower waste of money compared to what I went through when I jumped on a tool, thought it's the right one, it wasn't, changed the tool and again. So the step number one is to really write down your use case with all the details, with all the detailed features you need for this use case, and then really understand their pricing model, really understand the pricing model. Support is a very important thing. Test their support. How well is their support? You can have the best tool. If you have crappy support and you need help, big problem, right? Um, yeah, these are, I would say, and of course, yeah, if you have like legal, legal constrictions, like we have um, uh, restrictions, I mean, like we have GDPR compliance in Germany, of course, you need to make sure that the tool supports that. Um, I always look for integration with Sapier because using Sapier, you can automate so much. And um, yeah, that makes working with these tools a lot easier when you want to integrate it with other tools. That's it, I would say. Yeah, very interesting insight, especially about um, the, the complexity, right? Uh, as you just mentioned with this accounting tool, uh, then you think in one place, I have everything um in place and then you just find out there's still something hidden in the uh, process or um you need a different kind of uh you need a different kind of uh, um package or um different kind of seats and they they will increase the costs exp exponentially um absolutely there's another uh, po um uh, point in in this topic um about the tool autonomy. Um, you have um, probably some teams, um, they use different tools uh, than others uh, and, and how you bring that together in a company. Um, what are some benefits of allowing these uh, teams um, to use their uh, tools as they need it and how you could uh, foster that in, in your company so it's, it's done in the right way and uh, there's not uh, cases just explained by you um, where cost explosions or a tool doesn't do what you need or doesn't interact with other teams? I would never, ever do this again. I mean, we did that in the past and that's how we ended up with 120 tools as everyone could decide which tool they love. And there are so many tools you can love because there are so many tools that are really nice. But if every team or even worse, if every team member ends up with their own tools, and their own accounts, you have no compliance, you have no legal compliance, you have no management when people drop off and they take the account with them, all data is locked in in the tool, you have no central support. If there is one person that introduces a tool and then other people get onboarded and you need support, nobody can provide support because nobody knows the tool and has access to it. So that increases complexity and friction exponentially. I would never ever do this again. We did that. I would never ever do it again. So I cannot give any advice how to do that well. My advice is don't do it and have a central management of a tool in the same way as there is one person that manages your office centrally typically. I think you are better doing with this approach. 
centralizing the, the infrastructure. Because it's critical, it's so critical for your business that you have the right tools updated, get support, they are compliant with your legal restrictions. You cannot, I mean, you can let the person choose a tool, but rarely a person can oversee all the other parts that bring the complexity into the game. So I would never do this. Yeah, so probably if, if there's a new tool introduced, uh, it, it should go through a process that, uh, um, for example, head of operations is in, uh, involved and everything, and they can verify if the use of the tool makes sense and uh, if it fits into the company uh, uh, structures and, and um, all that, right? Probably that would be a way to, to... Yeah, maybe there is already a tool supporting this specific use case, so people should use this tool. Yeah. Right. That's how you can. I mean, it's like if you are in a relationship, whenever there are problems and you drop the relationship and decide I find another partner, you will never end up with a very good, strong, stable relationship. The same with your tools and your workflows. Whenever there's a problem, you say, oh, the tool is crap. I find another one. You will never get better with a tool. You will never get better with your workflows. Like that's if you hire and fire employees and whenever there's a problem, you fire the person. The same with the tool. That's not how it works. You want to decide for one tool that supports your use case and get better in using the tool. And that's only possible if you have it centrally managed and keep people accountable to work with this tool. All right. Um, that brings me already to, to my last question and you kind of answered it already, um, but we can dive uh, deeper into that. Um, what are some key uh, success elements um, when implementing a digital workplace strategy? First thing is a plan. <laughs> really know if you, if you um, um, rent a new office, you also create a plan. So which room is made for what and who will sit where? You need to same for your virtual infrastructure, which tool for which use case, who manages it, who gets access, etc. Make that a plan first and then make sure that you have training for people that get onboarded so that these people get trained properly how to use the tool. Because your business is still individual and the tools, they need to be used in a way that it is aligned with the purpose of your business, of the teams and of every role. If you just have a tool and ask people to use it, let's take Jira or any other task management tool as an example. If you just ask people to use it somehow, they will end up using the tool as they want it, but that's not how your work flows through the company. And then it's hard to integrate people and it's hard to really get quality because if everyone uses a tool differently, there is no standard. So having the blueprint of your tool landscape with the use cases you want to manage it and who provides training and onboarding, and also who manages the accounts. Right. The security is an important thing, and it starts with not allowing to share passwords via email or Slack. There are tools like LastPass or, I don't know, there are other tools where you can manage passwords and um, share passwords in a secure way. I highly recommend using these, and that's another tool of your, of your tool landscape. And then really not just have the tool and say, okay, guys, here's a new tool, use it, but make training available for them so they use it in the right way. Okay. Anything else you, you would like to add to this whole topic of selecting tools, using tools the right way? Um, so um, we can round up the session for today and uh, leave uh, some good impressions for, for our listeners. 
Yeah, absolutely. As most people are still always um, so interested in which tools I use, I put a link um, below the show notes to um, a tool guide that we have at FlashHub. You can use that to get some inspiration of which use cases are there and which tools we use. I think that will answer the question best. Right. Okay. Thank you, Manuel, um, for taking your time today um, for this Q&A session and see you next week on our new episode. Thank you. See you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you found the session helpful. Head back to our in-depth blog article on how to create an optimal workflow management with the right techniques and tools. Let us know in the comments how many tools you are using and how you decide what tools to implement. We do care, so share your thoughts in the comments or drop us a message. One moment, before you leave, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumb up and share it around with your friends and colleagues. Sign up also for the free business builder training on flashup.io and learn more about how to scale with your business at any time. Work with global top talents and make work better. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So until the next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.